Welcome to Trusted Tech Talks podcast. My name's Manny. This week we're covering a topic that's become more and more prevalent when hiring, especially for developers. Some clients are wanting to hire front-end developers or back-end developers that specialise in that one specific area. However, we do also have some clients who are looking for the full-stack developer. This has led to the question, which is, does a full-stack developer really exist? So to get some opinions from the experts, we've got John Cross from Iris with us today to educate us further on his view. How are you doing today, John? I'm really good, Manny. I'm really good. <laughs> well, before we jump into the discussion, I think it'd be really good if you could give us an overview of your experience and background, where you're working and what you do with the company as well. So if you want to kick off, that'd be great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so uh, I said, I'm John Cross. I'm a senior development manager at Iris Software Group. Um, I, I won't uh, tell you too much about that because <laughs> I could talk all day. Uh, the long and the short of it is um, I have currently four teams across Manchester and Sheffield, and we're building out um, sort of the next uh, generation of Iris accountancy software currently. Um, previously, uh, whew, how do far do I go back? So I originally uh, qualified as a creative. Um, that's, but this was back in the days when everything was in black and white and the internet was just starting. So um, I kind of got into um, doing user interface design and stuff like that for the web. But at the time, there was no way of doing uh, the code stuff. So everybody just assumed you could do everything. So um, I, I had to. Uh, and so I started uh, essentially being a developer too. Um, and that kind of over a period of time, I, I bounced around and I always had to, uh, um, well, I, I guess I had to acquire the skills I needed. So this was a really interesting uh, question or, or topic for me, if you like, the, the idea of full stack developer, because I've been in that world where, um, you know, I, I, I've been a, a jack of all trades and sometimes it worked out really well for me and sometimes it didn't. So but I'll talk about that um, when we get going properly. That was kind of my journey. I, I kind of gradually over the years uh, focused progressively more on the development side and then I ended up uh, managing teams and then uh, managing you know departments no thanks John um, so to go into the first question then which is obviously a headline for this topic is do you believe there's such a thing as a full stack developer um, so I'll start off by saying yes because that really makes everything we talk about after this much easier doesn't it um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we need to dig into what that actually really means. So what is full stack? I'm doing air quotes here. This is a good thing it's a podcast, so you can't see me doing it. Um, so what is full stack? So it depends what your stack is, right? So we currently, we're doing uh, loads of .NET core-based microservices, but we're also building out um, uh, serverless stuff. And most of that is in Node. Um, on the front end, uh, we are do, uh, we've got... Um, uh, a microservices front-end framework setup, and we're using a mixture of um, Angular and React and Vue in that. Um, so we got kind of quite broad uh, stack, if you like. Um, oh, is that tall? Either tall or broad or both. Um, but if someone rolled up and, um, uh, and said, all right, so I can write code in PHP um, and um, I can uh, do front-end stuff using, I don't know, pick some random framework. That'd be no use to us, right? So he may consider himself to be full stack, but that would be of no use to uh, us whatsoever. 
Um, I certainly, when we were, were first hiring out the teams, we got a lot of people that uh, were describing themselves as full stack because they could use Node and React, um, which of course is all JavaScript based, right? Yeah. Um, and that's great, uh, but it wasn't a relevant stack uh, to us, right? So you, for, for us, you wouldn't be full stack. You would be just a bit of it. Um, and then you kind of have to start to think like, actually, do we include things like cloud infrastructure design, pipeline bills? Uh, you know, uh, is that part of your full stackness? Uh, and then which cloud, which pipelines, right? So, you know, we expect our teams really to handle everything, the, the full vertical. So they, they, you know, the DB admins, they commission the infrastructure in AWS, they set up the um, CI, CD pipelines and all that kind of stuff, right? That's within the teams. That's what we expect the developers to do. Um, so for me, a full stack person would have to be able to do all that as well. But if they roll up and say, well, you know, um, I, I've got experience with Jenkins, or even better one would be, I've got lots of experience with Azure DevOps. It's like, yeah, so you know how to do stuff in Azure DevOps, right? But what about all our sort of wacky stuff that we use? So again, you're not kind of a full stack one. For us. So, um, and then you kind of think about, like, I guess, testing too. You know, so do full stack developers, does that include automation testing? You know, do, do they write the tests? Or what type of tests? Integration, end-to-end, -end, um, unit testing? What, what is it? What tools? What approach? What is your full stack there as well? So it, it's kind of, it's not one size fits all, right? Chances are of finding a full stack developer that exactly meet your needs really, really slim. Um, but, you know, finding someone that's interested in the full stack, whatever that stack might be, is really appealing, right? And I think, so someone who describes themselves as a full stack developer would, you know, it, that would pique my curiosity, if you like. Um, uh, and for me, it's really much about the passion, curiosity, and the drive to learn of that individual, uh, whether he considers himself to be full stack or not. Does that make sense? Because that, that allows them to, um, the, the, the passion and sort of wanting to pick up uh, different frameworks or whatever it might be um, is exactly the right shape person that fits into one of our teams. And then so, we can always direct them the way they need to go. Right? So, so, you're, you're, so to make sure I understand this then, John, <clears throat> for yourself, it, <clears throat> full stack would be dependent on business to business, but also department to department. Um, and, and what you think would sort of equate to a, a full stack is somebody who, it, well, it's, it's almost impossible to have worked with every single bit of tech exactly. that this works with. But if they've got the want to, then they, they, they want to do that versus I just want to be a front-end developer. I don't want to do anything other than React. That's it. That's all I'm going to be doing. It's more about how the candidate maybe positions themselves. Is that is that what you're, you're sort of saying? It's, yeah. And, you know, you want, when you speak to these people, it comes across really, really quickly um, how, how they consider themselves and what their outlook is. And, um, you know, I, I've spoken to people that uh, describe themselves as full stack, again, using, say, the Node and React example. And they wouldn't be interested. If we, if we said to them, OK, um, great, you can work for us. We're going to expect you to start doing some C sharp. They wouldn't have been interested because they want to focus on JavaScript, but they still th still say the full stack. But I guess the, the other big interesting part for this whole thing for, for me is exactly that. It's like, how do you find them? Do you find them? Do you go out and find them? Or do you grow your own? And can you even grow your own, right? Um, 
So if you take all the stuff I've already said has been true, right? So that, you know, you've got all these different factors. What chance do you actually have of finding perfect out of the box, full stack, zero, right? So, oh, oh contractor and then there's a whole thing with contracts we'll come back to <laughs> right sure. but so but how do you grow your own right and, and you think about that for a minute because that's that's really hard so say i was rewind two years and i'm starting out uh, with iris again and i'm going to create four new teams um uh, and um i don't have time uh, you know the pressures are i need to recruit these teams to start cutting code right so i can't wait for a team uh, full of unicorns to turn up um, so I, I say to myself, well, in that case, I need to grow my own unicorns, right? So, but what do I need to actually start delivering? So I can't wait 18 months to get a bunch of graduates and, and grow them all into full stack uh, de- uh, developers because I still need to put in the code. So what do I do? And the answer is you try to find passionate, curious people, those people I've already talked about, right? With some of the established skills, um, so that the idea being that they can then start picking up the things they've not done before. So they might not consider themselves to be a full stack, but we but they're interested in learning, and and maybe they're really strong in C sharp currently. So we bring them in and then encourage them to pick up some of the front end stuff, for example. But but um, if uh, going back, I, I'm recruiting my new team, so I bring in two C sharp guys who are going to become full stack guys. Who's writing the front-end stuff currently? Well, that means I've got to then go out and find some, um, some more front-end focused people that are keen to get into C-sharp as well. And that, you know, that, <laughs> it's just like this perpetual sort of um, increasingly hard to find the right shape people to slot into teams. And mm. even if you do that, then um, how, how, do you sort of, how do you stop them just getting stuck in the rut? How do you encourage them to step out? So even if you take it as a given that we're going to um, have five, six developers in this team and they're initially going to be a, a mixture of more back-end and front-end focused people rather than truly full stack, then how do you stop them just you know, getting used to that and actually challenge them so they start like wanting to take uh, work that the front-enders would do when they're really C-sharp and so on? Um, and yeah, it, it, it's 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 that sort of tricky bit. So how do you grow those unicorns, right? Uh, and one of the things we've done is come up with excuses. <laughs> so we go, oh, Dave's on holiday. Can uh, you gonna have to pick up some automation testing? Is that all right? And they go, yeah, sure. And you're kind of like uh, pushing them into becoming full stack when originally they wanted to be, but they've just started to fall into a rut. So you, you when you see the people started falling to a rut you have to sort of find ways to take them out of that get them pairing up with people get them to cross skill as much as possible is so dave, is dave really on holiday in that scenario or are you telling him listen just work from home i need to get these guys it's any excuse right it's any excuse so anything that you can start you know and i've done this you know we go like oh we it just turns out we've got a lot of testing this sprint so uh can you guys perhaps um, pick up some of the automation testing? Or we've done it the other way around, you know, like actually um, for various reasons, all the stuff we're going to be working on this sprint, um, you've already built 90% of the tests, so it's going to be really light. But there's actually a load of front-end stuff. You'd write a lot of your tests in JavaScript. Maybe you could help the front-end guys out. And, and it's that sort of approach, the sort of gradual um, upskilling and identifying how to how to challenge people to, to step outside of the 
um, accidental boxes they put themselves in. So I guess, sorry, go on, go on. No, sorry, John. I was, I was going to say, I'm guessing from doing that, there may be some people that have really surprised you and probably surprised themselves when they've stepped in and gone, do you know why? I actually enjoy this. No, oh, absolutely. Right. That's the best bit. And again, I'm going back to my, uh, what I said, I don't know, when I've started waffling on 10 minutes ago. The, <laughs> if the curious and the uh, passionate, if those are the people that you hire, it's really easy to focus them or grow them into be um, full stack. Um, because when you give them that opportunity, and they love it because I'm, I'm sure I've read um, research which says the single most important thing for software engineers when you're hiring them is the opportunity to uh, extend the skill set. It's not, it's not salary, it's not the office, it's not like these cool places where you get free beer on tap and all, all that sort of stuff, right? It's actually giving them the opportunity to grow. Yeah. Um, so if you're finding people that are even more passionate than the norm and those you want to get in, then actually um, the opportunity to grow your, your own full stack, your, your own unicorns becomes that much easier. Um, but it, it's the whole idea of full stack developers and everybody being fully cross-skilled is really sort of what everybody wants. But I think the, the path to get in there is really, really hard. You don't just come out of the box. Quite often the people that uh, uh, say the full stack it's an irrelevant stack or it doesn't work for you or whatever. Um, um, uh, and you need to use a mix of uh, finding some people that have already gone through that journey uh, and are actually really a, a useful full stack that's for you and also growing your own and, and finding the opportunities to keep everybody trying new things so they always feel challenged and they have that sort of, gets the blood pumping sort of um, thing. No one falls into, uh, that, into a rut. So, uh, uh, it's a very long way of saying it's hard. Does that help? <laughs> no, hundred percent, John. And I think I think it's good that you've um, the way you've explained it with the different types of scenarios, with the, the combination of having your homegrown, you know, unicorns versus the people coming in as well. Because I, I think anyone who who just said yes or no to that question and and said, "Yep, yeah, all of my teams full stack, or all my team specialists," and this is why. Uh, you know, it's not a, a real representation of the marketplace, really. Yeah. Um, so, sort of lead, leading on then to, to this, John, because obviously it's changed quite a lot over the over the years. Um, in my sixteen years, it's, it's definitely changed the, the sort of the want of a developer and the demand and and what they're expected to know and do. What do you think a developer will look like in the future? <sighs> Who knows, to be honest. Um, so I think the need, if, you go, if I'm going to be completely, <laughs> completely honest, I think the need for developers to be able to do anything, you know, that's sort of the, the why a full stack developer is particularly useful. Um, I think that's driven by the limits of the technology currently. Um, right. And it, it sounds strange because if you think about it, it doesn't feel like, the technology limits really if anything we're, we're it's like we're living in the space age in comparison to 10 years ago right um but you know right now so is it handy for your developers know how to uh, configure a kubernetes cluster right now yeah it's fairly handy right but how much longer uh, will that be the case so it's less handy now because of the rise of serverless so it's probably more handy a couple of years back right but then you've got things like um, AWS Fargate, right? Which is essentially serverless for Kubernetes, isn't it? I think. So 
fast forward another five years, 10 years, um, will it be important for um, a full stack developing my silly air quotes to be able to do that sort of thing anymore? Or will it actually have been abstracted away and there's just no need? Yeah, what if Amazon launches something that handles all your pipelines for you? So you don't have to worry about Azure DevOps or anything else. It all just magically works. Or what if they come up with some low-code solution that's completely bulletproof and it's got AI-powered because AI is, you know, a nice buzzword to throw in there. Yeah. Um, what if, what if, what if? I guess the answer is, right, if they think about it, it's not so much um, future developers will be full stack or specialized or something like that. They just need to be adaptable and passionate and interested and uh, that sort of keen um, desire to sort of change your path and change your skill set to match a fast moving world. So I, I guess that's your answer, right? They need to be whatever they need to be and, and they need to be keen to become that person. No, that's a, it, may, it makes sense, Job. Um, it's, it's so hard to predict what's going to be and what isn't. Um, you know, if you told me sort of five years ago that we'd want developers that knew DevOps were basically DevOps, you know, do all their own testing, you, you'd think you'd be crazy, but it, it's becoming more and more of the norm, just that this, the roles are evolving. And I think also is skills are getting short. The skill shortage is getting shorter and shorter. There's, there's less candidates. Therefore, the ones that want to keep on learning are going to be the ones that are going to be in high demand. Mm. Um, it's just to make sure that the learning doesn't jeopardize the company and what they're doing, uh, because it might be that the latest, greatest tech or the, the that they want to use the business doesn't need to use. So therefore, there's no point in upskilling on that in that work time um, because the businesses have to make money, not just um, keep the developers entertained, but it's a, it's a, it's a quite, it's a bit of a mixture of both at the moment because, again, there is such high demand. Yep. So, uh, I, I mean, I could do an entire podcast just on that uh, subject, mate. Um, I think there's, as part of um, developing or helping um, the software engineers and people like that to to develop themselves, a part of that is actually uh, helping them uh, with the maturity. Um, it, you know, you, it might be interesting to you to try all these new tech. And I, as a, you know, I, I try as much as possible to enable the teams to choose the, te- choose the technologies they, they use. Um, but many a time I, I see them just doing it, or I have seen them do it, uh, choose a technology just because it was the new cool thing to try out. And um, you're right. I mean, that doesn't necessarily uh, lead to, you know, great business outcomes. And what you need to do is take the team and the individuals on that sort of maturity journey where they actually start to see the bigger picture, start to say, actually, I could go and jump and try this thing because it would be cool and fun to do. But it'd be the wrong thing to do in this particular scenario. Yeah. Um, so one thing I've uh, happened upon many times actually is people saying i want to uh, pick this technology up and, uh, and i've said to them great so what you're going to do and they said well i'll i'll create a proof of concept i was okay well that's great but then you know what after that and you know I, i've almost come to, come to the point sometimes where i invent gates you know <laughs> I, I spend a lot of my time trying to take process out and make uh, empower the teams not to be bound by process but then i'm almost inventing process to make them uh, you know hoops to jump through just so that uh, you can actually see the ones that um or 
yeah, I, I, the individuals that really genuinely believe this technology is the future and we should be using this right now, right? Those ones will jump through the hoops. The ones that are doing it just because they fancy trying something new won't bother. And as stupid as that sounds, sometimes you need to use um, a slightly blunt object in order to uh, make that sort of differentiation. Um, and, uh, and that helping them on the journey, the ones that are happy to jump through the hoops, helping them put together a, a, a case where they can actually present it to some made-up board that you've just come up with. But it helps them get that sort of the broad picture. And funnily enough, those guys are the ones that then, you know, rock it off into becoming architects or whatever. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I could talk about that forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, John, I can't, I can't believe how quick this time's going anyway, as it is. Um, but we, we're on to the, the last point, which I, I think I know what the answer would be to this. But what, what advice would you give a young John Cross if he was starting out his software, software development journey? Well, so uh, that's an interesting one. Um, it's always good questions, Manny. Um, so I, I mentioned right at the beginning, right, that um, I was originally a creative and I just kind of had to adapt all the time because I had to, because the expectations were. And it, it's, it was funny because there was bits of it where I was a jack of all trades and that was really, really useful for people. And then kind of a few years passed and that actually kind of wasn't people didn't want that they wanted specialists and I, suddenly i wasn't massively strong in any particular area. i could just do lots of things so i wasn't as, wasn't as useful uh, and then it's interesting seeing how that's sort of gone round again but anyway so the question what would i say to myself so um i, I yeah i guess i've made a career to make it up as i go along so it's a bit hard to say um <laughs> i sometimes look at my past and I think I would have been much more successful, probably much wealthier, if I'd had a more focused approach and a career plan. Um, I, I work with people who are younger than me that had that sort of career plan, who were like, you know, five rooms on the ladder further up, right? Um, but I don't think I'd be happy now if I'd done that. Um, I've had a lot of fun along the way. So I suppose we're paying by point. I'm going to uh, go back to it again. Um, it's the same thing again, passion, curiosity, ad adaptability. Um, I, I tell myself to ditch the roles where I'm not passionate about what I do, to be honest. Um, and follow your passion, follow the things that you're curious about and excited about. Um, and that's kind of how I got here. Oh, you know, it'd be nice if I was wealthier, but hey. Um, <laughs> I guess it's, yeah, yeah, probably that. I mean, I've, the, yeah, uh, uh, the only other thing I would say is, you know, try not to paint yourself into any particular oh, um picture or whatever um back to what i was saying about the, the full stacks people saying the full stacks because they have to use two technologies don't position yourself as a jack of all trades don't position yourself as a specialist don't position yourself as a full stack position yourself as a person that um uh, that can deal with situations can adapt and is really excited about the opportunity to do that I think that's probably a good way because that sort of adaptability but done as a uh, jack of all trades doesn't always look good on you. Mm. And I guess the, the other big one, and this is the big, big piece of advice I'd offer myself, buy Bitcoin when it was like $1 each. I remember that. I remember people talking to me and they're saying, I've just bought some. They're only $5 each. Uh, 60 grand now each. I mean, it's insane. But yeah, if I could go back in time, buy Bitcoin, Invest in Apple. 
and be flexible. Uh, you wouldn't have probably been on this podcast though, John. So every cloud. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if I bought the, if I bought like a grand's worth at five dollars a piece, I'd be like worth hundred million quid now. Or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be talking to you. So I guess it, again, it all, <laughs> it all goes round in a circle, right? Back to what I said. Not necessarily um, uh, the most successful and the wealthiest, but at least I've, I've had fun along the way, right? So at least I get to talk to you, Manny. Exactly, John. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for your time um, and cheers for your input, John. Um, insightful as always. So really appreciate it. So thank you. Hey, I've loved doing it. Um, and, you know, I, I can't wait to hear what other people have to say on, on so forth. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Manny, and this episode's guest speaker, John Cross from Iris Group. If you still have questions around full stack development, please feel free to get in touch via Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn or drop me, Majinda Man, a direct message. Plus, make sure you don't miss out on the future episodes by following Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn and Spotify.